Sharon Jones and the Dap King searching for a new day right here on KRCL 90.9. Starting us off here on Radioactive, now is the time. That was Jade Bird, who's going to be at the Stateroom October 4th. And of course, KRCL presenting that show. More details online at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones, and as I said, this is Radioactive, plugging you into grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, DIY creatives. And tonight on the show, we're going to dive into the written and spoken word with the Utah Humanities Book Festival. Willie Paloma will be here. He's also uh, gathered a couple of poets to share their work and give us a preview of their readings coming up during the festival. Against the backdrop of National Hispanic Heritage Month tonight, I'm debuting a new series called First Person. We're going to pass the mic to interesting folks in our community working on issues and causes they care about and offering a song to match the moment. Mesa Gonzalez of Heal Utah coming up later tonight. We're going to start right now by passing the microphone to the Education Collective of Salt Lake City. They want a new high school in the Glendale neighborhood of our capital city. On Friday afternoon at 3.15 and 6.45, the group will host information sessions on their quest at the Glendale branch of the city library. Let's do what we do and pass the microphone. My name is Jenny Mayer Glenn. Um, I am with the Ed Collective SLC, um, and I'd like to talk about uh, our idea around a high school in the Glendale area or the west side of Salt Lake. So, Jenny, let's talk about this coalition and how it came about. About 10 years ago, when I was um, an assistant principal at Glendale Middle School, um, there was a lot of conversation among in the within the community and among parents about um, wouldn't it be great if there was a high school in the neighborhood? Um, and also, t- I learned over the time that I was there, I was in the um, in Mountain View and Glendale for about five years, and I learned that um, there were a lot of barriers to families being able to engage in their children's education and also um, students not feeling like they belong, um, that they have to travel uh, an hour on a bus in the morning in order to get to um, high school either at East High or Highland. Um, and, um, and that was really frustrating for them. And I, at the time, literally, there was a t-shirt that was made that said Glendale High that was made by a parent and um, it was worn around. So this has been a conversation that has start, that started a long time ago. Uh, and so as um, time has gone on and when folks found the bandwidth, um, parents and community members um, kind of came together and a collective, the Ed Collective SLC was born. Um, and one of the first things that the collective did was to write a letter to the um, the superintendent of the Salt Lake School District and also to the uh, advisor to the Board of Education to um, really just start a conversation about it. There was the ask and it was be aware that this is something that the community is interested in and here are the reasons why. There's quite a lot of rationale in there um, if people want to be able to see the letter. So let's talk about the history of why there isn't a high school in Glendale and how far back that dates that uh, we started busing kids from the west side out of their neighborhood to go to high school. 
Yeah, um, that happened in 1988 when South High School was closed. Um, and I have literally gone back to try to find the minutes from board meetings from that time period, because what I understand in talking to other community members is that the board had a consultant that had made the recommendation to close um, to close Highland High, a, a different high school in the district, rather than South High at the time. But there was such pushback from parents that the decision was made to close South High. So that's either an urban legend or um, uh, or a lot of people believe that that's really um, how all of that began. Um, and I think the district really um, believe and I care about having integrated schools and wanna have spaces where kids feel like they belong. And um, I know a lot of amazing educators at the district level and at school levels that are doing um, great work. Uh, but the reality of all of this is that over those years, since 1988, the burden has been on students and their families on the west side of I-15. Um, and, you know, I just think specifically about a parent that um, I supported when I was at Glendale, whose uh, child was um, you know, just like any high school kid was just sort of had her own struggles. And um, this mother really wanted to be more engaged with the school and to be able to support her daughter. And um, she wasn't really able to do that. It was hard for her. She didn't have a car. It was hard for her to get there. Um, and so she just couldn't engage in the way she needed to. And, and that's one story of many that I, I know are like that and parents who, um, who really care about wanting to support their kids and don't have access. So on October 1st, there's an informational meeting that'll be held on this issue. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, we're just wanting to start, again, a conversation to continue the conversation in the community um, and to get feedback from community. It, we may find out that, um, you know, there, there, I think there will be a lot of topics of conversation. For example, for example, sports. What are we going to do with sports if there's a, a high school in Glendale? And there will be lots of different kinds of concerns and questions. And so we wanted to be able to have a conversation with um, community members to just get their feedback and learn from them. Um, I think that's one of the biggest goals of the Ed Collective um, using the terminology collective is quite intentional because it is about um, multiple perspectives and everyone's voices and having that drive what happens next. Um, so yeah, just just some information, some history, some stories, and, and lots of listening. Lots of listening on October 1st. Where and when will that be? Uh, we will be meeting um, for the information ses session on October, Friday, October 1st. Um, the first one will be from 315 to 345, and then we will do another round from 615 to 645 to give um, community members and um, other interested folks an opportunity to be there and talk with us. 
I'm guessing back in the day in the 80s when they looked at which high school to close, this is a numbers game and a finance game. So I'm curious about the data that shows how many kids in the Glendale area that could be pulled together for this high school and how that would compare to an existing high school. I mean, do the numbers add up? Is this going to be a financial argument or is this going to be more about um, social equity? Gosh, um, well, it's it's both. Um, currently, there are uh, 1,385 students um, who are who travel from the west side of I-15 to East High and Highland combined, um, and so that's plenty for a high school. Um, although we wouldn't expect that all of those students would necessarily attend um, a neighborhood high school, I think one of the goals of of, or one of the conversations we've been having is that wouldn't it be great to have um, four smaller high schools in Salt Lake School District and then there would be a lot of choice that students could have on which school that they would like to go to. Um, uh, I think we recognize that some of our largest high schools, I want to say they're um, maybe 2,300 students or something like that at West High. Now, that's hard. That's hard. some hard work in a, a space often where kids um, may not feel like they belong necessarily. Um, and so really it is about uh, how do we create spaces that might be a little bit smaller for students to, um, to and their families to be able to engage. The other um, issue that I, I know is concerning to folks is that Currently, the student population in the Salt Lake School District is shrinking um, primarily to gentrification. So this is one of the additional impacts of gentrification on the west side of Salt Lake. Um, and so it will be really hard for, um, you know, how do you justify building a new school when, um, when you've got a shrinking student population? And so that's going to be another conversation that we'll have to have um, long term. We're not, this is not, there's no intention here that this happens next year or the year after. We recognize that this is the beginning conversation and um, want to make sure that everybody feels like their perspective and the needs of the district and the needs of the community are being met through this process. All right, let's wave the magic wand and say it's greenlit and it's time to build a new high school. And I mean that, you know, figuratively and literally. What kind of opportunity is that for the community in terms of creating a school that serves their unique needs? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so the uh, the intent, so um, the intent here is to really bring community members together to um, help design and be able to to say this is what this is what we would like to see in a school, and that will cre that will cause um, the need for a lot of education of what are some of the different kinds of programs that are available. What is international baccalaureate? What is advanced placement courses? What what are all of these different kinds of things? Um, do we want a dual immersion school? Um, so lots of education of the community members so that they can make some choices about what they would like to see in a school. And so we expect that there will be a, a long process of reimagining um, a high school in the west side of Salt Lake. And uh, really, we're hoping that there will be some creative opportunities for that. There actually have been some um, art projects that where the topic has been 
um, reimagining a high school. Um, and that that is really intended to have the most authentic input from the community that we can in what this high school can be. Where can we send people to find out more, to get involved and support your cause? Yes, so we have a webpage. It, the, um, it's edcollectivesslc and that dot um, org. So again, edcollectivesslc.org, all one um, string of letters there. And um, there's information there. And you're welcome to join our information session on Friday. We'll be doing more of them as well in the future. Um, but we hope to have some robust conversation. And that's Jennifer Mayor Glenn of the Education Collective of Salt Lake City. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the group as well as the Facebook event page for their Friday afternoon informational session on their call for a new high school in Glendale. You're listening to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. And still to come tonight, the Utah Humanities Book Festival and poetry still happens here. Intersect, collide, mash up. It's National Hispanic Heritage Month, against the backdrop of which Radioactive is now launching our first person series, We're going to pass the microphone to grassroots activists or a community builder, punk rock farmers, DIY creatives in our community, and I do want to get your nominations for this series. But in our inaugural episode, you're about to meet someone whose passions meet at the intersection of environmental and social justice. My name is Macy Gonzalez, and my cause is environmental justice and social justice issues. Um, I currently work for the Healthy Environment Alliance of Utah, just known as Heal Utah, where I do communications for them. Um, But in the past, I've also worked with Alliance Community Services, a Latinx nonprofit that helps with providing resources to Latino community here in Utah. I am a queer son of immigrants, and I identify as Latino or Latinx. Um, My parents immigrated from Mexico here and I think it was 1997. So I'm the first one born in the States and been kind of going through it kind of blindly, <laughs> not really knowing how to navigate it all, but that's a big part of my identity. My ethnic heritage to me means, I'm gonna have to think about that for a second. <laughs> I think my ethnic heritage to me means history. There's a lot that has happened in past and so much that's been going on to get to where I'm at, if that makes sense. Politics to me has been a kind of a very personal thing. I feel like there's a lot of issues that are very disproportionately affecting my community. And for me, they've been something that I felt like I don't have the privilege to just not acknowledge. Like I have to have kind of a vote and my voice on these because they're affecting my community. As a Latino or Latinx individual that also identifies as queer, um, I find that a lot of the work that I'm doing has multi like levels of different just like disparities. Like in the Latino community, being queer is something that's still not sometimes accepted. So that's another thing that I feel facing sometimes where I have a challenge just being here in the States trying to be Latino with individuals who think I'm a little strange, but also within my own community. It's like, oh, well, he's the he's the queer one, if that makes sense. So it's kind of multi-layered where sometimes I feel like I have two different policy minds going on because sometimes my group is not the most um, accepting with some LGBTQ rights, but I also am super strong with like DACA and I'm very super strong with 
environmental issues that are going on. So sometimes I have to hopefully try to connect them together, if that makes sense. I think I am Gen Z, actually. So yeah, definitely. So I think the environmental issues are something I am extremely um, involved in. Um, I got involved in this work when I first started with the Lions Community Services with their legal and health programs, where I got to help with the DACA programs and um, helping with their cancer support group for newly arrived immigrants. And when I was working with these groups, I started seeing different disproportionate effects with air quality and with just climate issues in general. So that's when I started getting involved with environmental threats facing Utah. And this is mostly because I didn't see someone like me getting their voice heard. I felt like I grew up on the West side um, that everyone seems to be talking about all the time. I grew up using public transit. I grew up with so much that is being analyzed and discussed that I felt like, okay, I need to be a part of this because I'm living it. My advice for how to get involved is if there's no seat at the table, like make your own. Be unapologetically Latino, be unapologetically queer because that's what's making you and you know the issues that are affecting you. Um, I stood very strong with being Latino and being queer and saying, hey, these are the issues that are facing me and I want to start making that change. Sometimes it will feel a little bit intimidating, I have to admit, because sometimes these spaces are majority white and you kind of just have to push yourself through to make sure that your voice is heard. Yeah, for those who are controlling the table, I really feel like there's been a lot of talk of, well, how can we be more diverse? Well, how can we really help amplify these voices and it's really simple like just walk away from your seat and let someone else be in it because sometimes it's been these seats have been taken up by individuals that aren't really seeing these issues that we're facing and there needs to be that more representation i'd like to leave this great song that's been stuck in my head all day today i've been up at the capitol uh, protesting <laughs> with the fridays for future it's called cariño by the marias and I'd like to dedicate it to my boyfriend, Zach. I'm Ace Gonzalez, and this is Cariño by the Marias on KRCL 90.9. The Marias and their beautiful song, Cariño, picked for you by Mace Gonzalez, the very first guest in our new series, First Person. To nominate someone for this new series, just send me an email, radioactive at krcl.org. Be sure to tell me who you'd like to hear from and why. Maybe even include a question or two that you have for them. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive. Democracy Now! coming up at 7. Emily's Mixtape at 8. Maximum Distortion with Forgash and Cody D at 10.30. Liz Schulte giving you a rude awakening at 3. To close out our show, a mashup now of Poetry Still Happens Here and a peek into this year's Utah Humanities Book Festival. You're going to hear poetry from Vogue Robinson, Claire Batterman, and Nan Seymour. But we start at the beginning. My name is Willy Palomo. I'm program manager at the Center for the Book at Utah Humanities. And I'm here to talk about the Utah Humanities Book Festival, which includes hundreds of events all across Utah, virtual and in-person, um, happening in September and October. So we're super excited to talk about that. This is the 24th year, unless you don't count last year and COVID and what it did. So tell me about the festival this year. 
Yeah, so the festival this year is going to be a blast. There's still a ton of events in October that we have coming up, including um, Poetry Slams featuring Nancy Moore, the Utah Team Poetry Festival, which is going to be in Provo, Cedar City, and in Logan, Logan this year. Um, and we're going to have a whole bunch of performers coming for that um, to help get students pumped up about poetry. You're also a poet, so I asked you to get a couple of poets, and we're going to talk to them in a minute. But give me some non-poetry highlights that you're really excited about and still to come. One of the events that you want to check out, October 6th, we have Ross Gay coming. And now Ross Gay is technically a poet, but he's pushing his nonfiction book, which is the Book of Delights, which is absolutely fantastic and definitely like a burst of joy into your life that like you need, given how like how tumultuous I feel like everything's been since the pandemic at least. Um, we also have uh, Tara Westover, who's like New York Times bestseller of the book Educated, which is a, me a memoir about growing up and like a really rural and sort of radical faith setting and then going to college and having her like world blown up. Um, she's going to be doing a Q&A with myself on October 9th over at the St. George Literary Arts Festival. Um, and we have plenty of other events. And what I love to say about the book festival is that we have hundreds of events all across the state. So like one of those books is meant for you. Um, <laughs> we got children's book, environmental lit books, you know, memoirs, fantasy and sci-fi. Um, and we're recording some of them too. So you can check them out on our YouTube channel afterwards. Wonderful. Maybe we can even bring some of those into the show later, Willie. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that you do is help people kind of navigate what's in there because there's so much happening. It can feel overwhelming to try and look at the, the list of events happening and go, well, what, how is this, what's the topic? And in fact, one of the segments that you've, you've curated for folks to be able to grasp it is marginalized voices. Tell us what's happening there. Oh, there's been so much good happening there. Um, so far, we've had, um, you know, a program about Wallace Thurman, who's a bisexual um, black writer who's from Utah from and Utah. was a part of the Harlem Renaissance, which is like a fun fact that I feel like um, a lot of folks don't know that we have like a Harlem Renaissance legend who's a part of our literary heritage. Um, and there was a play written by um, local playwright Jennifer Nee um, that captured a span in his lifetime. And that was gorgeous and wonderful. We had Dr. Roberto Cintli Rodriguez here to talk about um, stories of maize. And he was in Park City and we were in Antelope Island um, with him talking about all of that. And we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Um, part of Vogue's um, section for the Utah Teen Poetry Festival is going to be, you know, poetry sets and like sets for students and teachers where part of the conversation is going to be about race and having, you know, that conversation through this lens of poetry. Um, we also have Topa Falarin, who is a Nigerian, um, the child of Nigerian immigrants and grew up in Ogden in like the 80s. So he has his fiction book, A Particular Kind of Black Man, that's gonna be tackling that as well. Um, we have Land of Cranes by Aida Salazar, which is about um, a family who's facing deportation and it goes through a whole bunch of that. So there's, all sorts of stories we're highlighting. Um, National Coming Out Day, we have a reading with Nancy Moore and Lynn Flores. And we also have Darren Perry at Glendale Library because it's both National Coming Out Day and Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, and now I'm just getting too excited. I feel like I've given you a very long list. Um, but there's so many like fun, good people we have coming for that list in particular. Well, let's mention the website now and we'll do it again before we close so people can go run right to it and start booking themselves on their calendars. What's the website to check out the lineup? 
Yeah, it's utahhumanities.org and just click on the book festival calendar. But also, if you're on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Utah Book Fest or the Utah Humanities Book Festival, and you'll be able to find us. Great. We'll be sure to put links in the show notes tonight. You mentioned Vogue, and you were not talking about the fashion magazine. You're talking about <laughs> one of our guests tonight. Let's have Vogue uh, introduce herself. Hi, Vogue. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Vogue Robinson. I served as the Poet Laureate of Clark County, Nevada from 2017 to 2019. I'm a teaching artist. I'm a, I'm like a book doula at this point in my life. <laughs> a book doula? Oh, man, I love that idea. You're birthing, well, I paint birthing too. books. Yeah, okay, and you paint. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah. you've got several things coming up on October 21st. You're going to have a workshop for teachers at four, students at five, and then a, a reading, or is it a slam as part of the uh, teen po- poetry stuff at seven? Yeah, yeah, it'll be awesome. I think I don't know if it's a slam or if it's an open mic, okay. but I definitely know I get to, they let me read poems. And that's at Provo Poetry. We also have with us Claire. Hey, Claire, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Claire. I'm a high school senior. Uh, I've been writing poetry in some form for like seven years now. Uh, I'm with the Utah Teen Poetry Festival, and I'm super excited to be here. And you're going to be part of all of the teen poetry stuff on uh, the 21st as well. We'll put links in the show notes, but I would love to hear something from each of you. Vogue, let's have you go first, shall we? Dokily, dokily. Um, so this poem is after a poet by the name of Lucille Clifton. Um, so she, her work was kind of legendarily small because she had uh, enough children to make her get her stuff extremely concise. <laughs> but uh, she has a poem called Won't You Celebrate With Me? And the last lines of it are, um, won't you come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. And it's just like such a powerful poem. Uh, and so I wrote a poem after her poem, which is kind of when you use someone else's poem, pull a few lines from their work and um, then make it your own or your interpretation thereof. So this is a, won't you celebrate my blood transfusion after Lucille Clifton. I will celebrate you in your own skin, ashy, powder-dusted texture, fragile skin. I will celebrate the color of your lips returned, a hue of life, the Kool-Aid red pulsation under your nails. I will celebrate a head not aching, a drumbeat absent, you offbeat girl. I celebrate you with at least one love-turned meal a day and a loud lion's laugh. I celebrate you inside a Ross, with a mask on, doing the kid and play without a dance partner. Hello, Joy. I've missed you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> giving you my snaps. That line about the Kool-Aid blood red or your fingernails reminds me of so much of what people have been going through with COVID, wondering about their oxygen levels and flicking their nails. Uh, right. A poem that you can relate to as well as get that story. Um, Absolutely. Blood transfusion out. I'd love to hear one more. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think this, these, well, my grandmother, I was like so many things. I have a million stories, so I'm going to focus. <laughs> um, for myself, I, I got sick uh, and, and needed a blood transfusion um, during summer one of COVID. And I sat in a room with people who were getting chemotherapy and I'm, I'm 34 and at the time I was 33 because time. <laughs> so just the, the juxtaposition of life and me receiving something that was going to fill me up and watching people receive chemotherapy, which is a draining thing in the middle of a pandemic is um, an epic tale of telling, but made me really uh, grateful. 
and and at the same time, uh, my grandmother passed in March of 2019. So kind of going into the the shift for COVID, I was also still like figuring out how to grieve. And um, so I wrote this poem. It's it's a duplex, so everything is in couplets, and it's after uh, Jericho Brown actually invented the form because it's never too late to invent a form. So here's a poem. <laughs> it has no title. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> my grandmother is dead. I am no one's baby. I am no one's baby. There is no pillow to land on. No pillow to land on when the bow breaks. Who was the cradle mounted on rockers? I am without a cradle. A ship overconstructed. Girl, why weep over construction? Where will I get rest? How will I be repaired? Woman, do not sink in the cost of unnecessary repairs. Do breathe. Cool the coals in your throat. Saying it aloud stokes the fire in your chest. My grandma is dead. Vogue Robinson sharing some of her poetry, which will be part of the Utah Book Festival on October 21st down at Provo Poetry in Utah. Check tonight's show notes for a link. Thank you, Vogue. Claire, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, Vogue teaches poetry and is having a student and a teacher workshop on the 21st and you're going to be participating and remind folks again the league that you're part of it's the utah teen poetry festival what's it yeah okay and, and you'll be taking part with a bunch of other teens tell us uh what's coming up and then let's hear a couple poems shall we okay so um like willie said they're doing it at a couple different places like uh, cedar city is that where you're on be? the 21st and is that where you'll be yeah well, we'd love to hear one or two poems. What do you have? Okay, so I have one that's a little longer. It's called OK Boomer. OK, bo- okay. I'm going to sit back <laughs> now. You go, Claire. Hit us. My dad could go on for days if I'd let him about people who receive financial aid. And I let him. Never the confrontational type. I judge silently and ruthlessly. The man has gotten food stamps for the last 16 years. An entire generation taught that asking for help means weakness, taught that drowning emotion was a matter of survival. I love you was not a common phrase in my household. I do not bring up these facts to my father because I can see that he is ashamed, angry to be in his position. His political talk in the dining room makes dinner taste like yesterday's, makes Fox News look like playtime, and I try to breathe through it to nod along with what he says. And I used to feel guilty for that, for not standing up to him, but I can see that he is hurting, hurting because he never stood up for himself. That is why he's so angry toward those on top, using 20s to wash their face after a long day of doing nothing when he has worked since he was 13, his only purpose a provider. None of this is to say that my dad's political views are not problematic or offensive. And he could do with a reminder that at a certain point, you can no longer blame your actions on where and what and who you've been. But it is so clear to me that this is all a desperate grab for control. The same need I feel almost compulsively. Lately, when I look in the mirror, I see him. Toxic masculinity and Diet Coke. You crumple receipts and throw them on the sidewalk. Tell me to stop watching skewed news. The pot blackens and you can't scrub it away. How can someone sound so confident in what they are teaching but have it so wrong? I love him. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that, that there is good beneath the prejudice and I feel bad for this. I know how important accountability is. 
Is it wrong that I try not to consider politics in our relationship? It's what I have to do if I am to be close to you at all. One day I will cut you out of my life for what you share on Facebook or preach in the car on the way to school. Early morning light cannot filter out your hate. I wish you weren't taught that it makes you less to ask for help, to admit that you don't always have it right. I feel sorry for you. But at the same time, I see so much of myself in your bitterness toward the world. A good reminder that I need to have patience or I will turn to poison. Where do you store your venom each night when you are all alone with what you have done and what you have become? Lately, when I look in the mirror, I see him. Woo. Claire. Wow. That Woo. is... That is <laughs> Willie, you want to jump in on that? That's some powerful work, and we've got a lot of teen poets doing some great work across the state, which is, I'm guessing, why it's a three-location uh, event for Book Festival. Yeah, and what the event is meant to do to really bolster our Poetry Out Loud program, which is a national recitation contest, as well as our Poetry Slam um, contest across the state. Um, so really trying to reach out to as many teachers as we can to get our students here. Um, and like I said, there's going to be fun, um, special things at each one. So the one in Cedar City is going to have RJ Walker doing an open mic performance along with good folks at Sugar House Review. Um, the one in Provo, we're going to have Vogue, who's amazing poetry you just heard on this episode. And then the one in um, Logan is going to have um, free tickets to the mock storytelling events to the students who come there, uh, along with a feature reading by Shannon Balam, um, who's the poet laureate of Logan right now. So there's fun kind of all around and really it's a great time for, you know, poety students to connect um, and find, you know, share that love of literature with one another and find community. And that's all happening on October 21st. Correct. All right. Again, check tonight's show notes for a link to what we're talking about with the Utah Book Festival going on now and through October. And to close out our segment, a returning friend of mine in Radioactive, Nan Seymour. Hi, Nan. How are you? Hi, I'm great. So you, you have an event with the Book Festival coming up on Monday, October 11th, 7, 7 p.m., and it's also the opening of the Under the Umbrella Bookshop at Art Space in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I'm so pleased to be able to read for that very exciting event. Um, it's just great to have this bookstore opening in our community. Um, really excited about that. October 11th is also National Coming Out Day. You've yeah. been very generous sharing your family's story on the show as well. So I'm guessing there's a little bit of magic in the date and the reading for you as well. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not lost on me. <laughs> the uh, value of queer spaces, queer gatherings. And um, I, I think, well, one of the poems I'll read for you today will reflect that a little bit, um, or at least touches that. Is it part of your new book, your debut? Yeah, so I'm reading from my debut collection called Prayers Not Meant for Heaven. Um, just came out this summer. and It's been really exciting um, to read mm -hmm. these poems to people. I've enjoyed it so much. Let's hear it. All right. Um, so this uh, this is kind of a prayer book as well as a poetry book, and and the prayers address all kinds of divinity that's maybe closer at hand, mostly benevolent. But this is the one um, that maybe isn't so. It was written uh, early in the pandemic when my daughter had uh, had COVID, and so I had something to say about that. It's called God of COVID. God of COVID. Touch a hair on her head and I will rend your fabric. Don't make me match your lack of mercy. 
you who have come hardest for those with least. Fear my wrath and spare my daughter, for she did not die in junior high or by vehicular attempt, but survived to become herself in queerness and in glory. Touch a hair on her head and I will shred your whole sky. Amen. Poet Nan Seymour, our third of the evening as we explore the Utah Book Festival with Willie Palomo of Utah Humanities. And uh, just thank you so much for, for getting these poets together on uh, when I when I reached out to you late last week and said, hey, can we do this? You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get some folks, two or five. So I'm grateful we got three. <laughs> um, and, and Willie, so much going on at the book festival from uh, authors and poets. And uh, why is it important to maintain this festival in its 24th year, Willie? Yeah, so one of the special things about the festival is the fact that we're working with local community organizations organizations to um, select authors and topics that are most urgent and mean the most to them. So when Utah Humanities works on the book festival, we don't just helicopter into different communities and like, you get this poet and you get this fiction writer. It's very much um, being in dialogue with these groups and being like, oh, what conversations do we need to get started in our communities um, and which authors are available for that. And that for for me and for the community, it tends to make the spirit of the events really strong where it's addressing stuff that we care about. Willie, I know you're a poet. You've shared on the show many times, but you're here as the coordinator for the Utah Humanities Book Festival. I'm still going to swing for the fences. Do you have something to share? <laughs> yeah, I have one poem I can share with you. Thank you so much. Okay. Diaspora for Janelle Pineda. Amor, I'm sick of talking about the war. One day, our mothers will die, and with them, bl the blood clot and its memory of fire. Let the clouds of Zanguros drown their moans as we pluck punche from the holes in the mangroves. I'll trade a crab-clawed palm for a cocktail y michelada any day. Forgive me for blaspheming the dead. I want to only inhale the flowers and not know whose blood fertilized the thumb-cutting pink of their petals. I want to choke on my monas from nothing but my own delightful estupidez. It is said, the sweeter the mango, the more shallow the grave. I do not want to imagine la dulzura of your breath. On the news today, migrants throw stones to skip across the lake. We play volley over border fences because that is all they are good for. It is disgusting, I know, to write poetry about madrigals while people are dying, but I broke un ramillete just for two. I never had a dream of reaching the mountaintop, la cima de la puerta del diablo, where you can see Salvador from the same perspective of a powerless God. I never dream of standing hand in hand with the children of the men who raped my tia or the families who paid the soldiers. I make enough mistakes on my own without carrying the blunders of our fathers. We come from the same crack in the concrete jungle, the same gunshot that shattered the jaw of the moon. We owe no God any more rituals of slaughter, no countries the love stolen from our chest. Willie. Thank you so much for having us, Laura. It's always a pleasure. 
What's the website? And are you going to be reading in any of these events? I know you're hosting quite a few conversations. Yeah, so I won't be reading at any of them except probably to open mic for the Utah Teen Poetry Festival, but I will be moderating the event with Tara Westover and one or two other events here and there. So you'll definitely see me around and there'll definitely be a chance to say hi. Um, and our social media again at Utah Book Fest on IG and Twitter. And then you can find the Utah Humanities Book Festival page on Facebook. And we have our website, utahumanities.org with our calendar for book festival events and also other cool stuff we're doing. <laughs> Willie Palomo of the Utah Humanities Book Festival and poets Vogue Robinson, Claire Batterman, and Nan Seymour. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the festival and start planning your visits in real life and online. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting this show. You can always do that any time of year. Online at krcl.org. Radiothon's coming up October 29th, folks.